Hello, everyone. Uh, it feels really weird to be addressing people who aren't listening right now, given that it's just the four of us. You know, you're never alone when you're with a deity. In fairness, I also live with two people, so, like, Hi, it's just people. me talking to... <laughs> Just me talking to Billy through the door. Um, so since COVID situation is shite and we've been told we can't have volunteers in the studio, I thought we could do this episode from home to just kind of see where you guys are feeling, like what, what your thoughts are about the campaign so far, uh, your character, motivations, how they might have changed, things like that. Um, so I have some questions, um, that we can get to later, but I guess just generally speaking to start with, how are you guys feeling about what's happening with the campaign and your characters? Intrigued. That's one way to put it. It's my brain, so interesting. My brain is like, Aurum, don't trust him, but Annie Wicklow's like, yeah, trust him. How often do we trust her? I kind of have exactly. to. <laughs> oh, well, no, you don't have to trust her. You just have to do what she says. I just have to yeah. not die for seven years. I'm yeah, just, exactly. I'll be right back. Um, Pennywise has got himself stuck in a paper bag. Oh, Penny. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Okay. It's like part of the joys of recording from home, like working from home stuff too. Sometimes you're on a call and you're like, sorry, my cat just like threw up on the carpet. I just need to give yeah. attention to this. Yeah. Pet me. Sorry, my cat just threw up. But you don't own a cat. <laughs> I just don't want to be in You just hear anymore. one of us retching in the background. That'll be uh, me. I have returned and I have questions. <laughs> We're just discussing how we might have and simple it is to, um, to work the... when you have a cat. Mm, not fun. Or using so your cat as an excuse to get out of work, even if you don't have one. Yeah, I've definitely distracted um, meetings by, like, holding my cat up. Because people are always like, oh, oh, tell me about it. What's its name? How old is it? Oh, it's adorable. Oh, yeah, star of the show in D&D last night was my friend's cat. Uh, his name is Benya, and he is just a... He's a little man. He's adorable. a little dapper man with very fuzzy round cheeks. He's oh one God. of those blue British short hairs. Oh god, it's the so cheeseburger cute. meme. Yeah. That I is. love cats. If I, I see, like, if I'm on Zoom with a student and I see a cat in the background, I immediately need to be introduced. Always. They just make everything better. So welcome everybody to Dungeons and Airwaves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to cats Back and on airwaves. Track. Cats and airwaves. Or, uh, but, well, no. I've I've seen many jokes recently that D and D should not be called Dungeons and Dragons; it should be called Wizards and War Crimes. <laughs> yeah, that um, is much more accurate. It's definitely an us kind of phrase. Let's just be real. Um, yeah, but in all seriousness, to everybody that is listening to this, um, you know, I'm sorry that we haven't been able to be on air for the last few weeks. Um, it is trust us; it is not our preference to be doing it. Um, to be, um, not presenting the show at the moment it's just completely out of our control so we hope mm. you enjoy this workaround yeah um this will also probably be a much shorter episode um yeah purely because well since we're pre-recording this and we're not sending it out live um 
we can't really do song breaks or anything. So you can just have no. one of us awkwardly sing. And the, the beauty is like the song break thing. That's only like that. Um, that's definitely more a radio necessity rather than a podcast necessity. Yeah, yep. true. Um, but you know, depending on what the situation is, if I can figure out how like live streaming this stuff works through Twitch and all that, we might be able to switch to that. Um, if the situation with the studio is just, yeah, look, we just can't continue. But for now, we'll try our best to produce content. Well, that, that's what the UNE Gaming Society did. They moved over to Twitch. Yeah. We could definitely yeah. do that. I have a Twitch. The one, um... I also have a Twitch. I just do not know how to stream multiple people's um, cameras is the thing that I don't get. Oh, I would need to get a camera. Just only, Twitch um... stream your Zoom call. <laughs> the, the other yeah. thing I will, and just to sorry to hijack Ash. Um, just to, um, just one thing that I will say is, even though, um, obviously we'll try and make the audio sound as clean as good as we possibly can through Audacity. Um, all four of us are at in our own homes with our own computers, so the microphone and sound quality is certainly nowhere near as good as we're used to in the studio. So apologies if we sound a little bit ass. Yeah, and uh, if you hear anything strange in the background. Like a cat choking to death in a paper bag, for instance. <laughs> Thankfully, we didn't hear that, and uh, you grabbed him before. No, he's not actually choking, not choking to death. He was more just freaked out and scrabbling, not realizing yeah. that all he was doing was walk backwards. Cat's Cat forgot reverse was an option. Exactly. Cats are the cutest that morons is true. that there are. That is true. I mean. Have you not met Ash? Okay, I'm I'm leaving. I'm <laughs> shutting this down. Goodbye. I'm moving out of Armadale. Sayonara. <laughs> we have a seven-minute-long podcast episode, <laughs> and it's all just us talking about cats. I was going to say it's just us talking shit. It's us having a chinwag and just maybe once every minute and a half dropping the word dungeon <laughs> or dragon, but not both. Say, should we really call this bonus episode one reflections and just bonus episode one? Maybe not buggering around. around. I feel like that's something that, uh, well. The gang hypothetically commits a war crime. That's definitely already an episode <laughs> the of gang would do that. Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> and probably probably critical role oh, too for yeah. that matter. Oh, definitely cool. critical um, role. Yeah, it it is it is a good time. I, um, I think it's me too. I I wouldn't say it was the podcast that really inspired me. Like the actual podcast that inspired me and got me into D anD D was Critical Hit, which started in two thousand and nine, and only just recently finished. Actually, um, yep. Like their campaign just recently yep. finished. Um, really great podcast. It was well, yeah longer than some marriages. Um, yeah, it was Jesus. in fourth edition, so it was a little bit more clunky. Um, not as stream streamlined. That's probably why it took them what twelve years to finish. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think there was, but it was wait, but it, but it was just the um, it was the same like it was the same campaign. for the most part. Like um, there was four or five seasons. Like I eventually didn't listen to the last couple of seasons, unfortunately. Um, but between seasons, they would do like how the other half lived. So they'd like look at other characters in the world um for a couple of sessions. Um, and like how the things that are happening affect just normal people, or someone else would have a turn doing D&D, &D, like running 
Um, maybe not even in D&D. Sometimes they use different systems, and they do that for a little while between episodes. Yeah, yeah right. I would like to campaign for um, an influencer-style day in the life of Auntie <laughs> Oh, 100%. Auntie Wicklow needs her own Instagram I can page. make a, an Instagram page for Auntie Wicklow. Absolutely. Arnie Wicklow's musical whims, and it's just her quotes. I want an an Arnie Wicklow ASMR YouTube channel. Good evening, everybody. This is Arnie Wicklow. (laughs) uh... You didn't file your paperwork. That's just that's just Roz from. (laughs) (laughs) It's just Roz from bloody um. (laughs) Monsters Inc. Arnie Wicklow is to have an ASMR one. Would she be one of those ones that like eats real close yeah, to the microphone? Like yeah, like fingers, um, newts, so newt, no, no feet, <laughs> band. This is a feet-free yes, podcast. This is a feet-free podcast, except for the ones that have A's in them. Um, or measurement for movement. Yes. <laughs> Also, um, Billy, does Kodak not wear shoes? Yeah, no, he doesn't. Kodak doesn't have any shoes. Okay, I just did not know that. The it was so much fun miles. trying to they draw feet. feet. <laughs> Should have just made them real hairy or have him stand in a puddle I or something. I just said, like, have Kodak standing behind a bush or a shrub. No, I found, I found a reference image that let me work off it so I could actually get the feet... To look nice. You found pictures of feet on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> How brave. Very brave. <laughs> Putting feet into Google Images search is like the bravest thing you can That's do. That's the definition of hitting that I'm feeling lucky button on Google. And I'm never doing that yep. again. <laughs> um... Uh, but um, yeah, so general feelings like what? Hang on, let me let me pull up my questions. That might actually. Here is question one: How are you feeling about the campaign so far? I guess to to sort of flash your brains, like, um, you know, what was your favorite moment? You know, is there something that you thought like you want to learn more about, or something that you wished you could have learned more about in the moment? Um, Things you'd like to explore in the future. I um, I must admit I would love to learn a little bit more about good old Sir Orem's backstory. Um, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I've got I've got some fun theories. In regards to like um, you know, favorite part of the campaign, probably, probably um, sort of. I would say, from my perspective, I've just sort of learning more about exactly what's going on and like getting answers to things that have been left in the air for in previous sessions. Mm. So, is there like an example of that that you can think of? Just like the more information that comes to light about the orbs, the universe, and the world mm. that we're set in, um, the characters. Basically, any time anything new comes up, it's uh, I I really get a kick out of that. So, on a slight tangent, I'd like to know more about that dragon in the ice in, like, episode two or three. Oh, fair call. Yeah. The skeleton, yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's some interesting lore behind that. There is lore about that. I wrote it down. I don't remember where I wrote it down. I was um, I was just going to say, and the other thing that I was thinking of is I'd love to learn more about Camden Loden and the, you know, the war, or the, or the, the 
conflict and tension that's going on between I forget what they're called, but the other tribe of dwarves. Oh yeah, so you've got the mountain dwarves, which are um, Gordy's people. They're the ones that live traditional lives um, under, like in the mountains, under the ground. And then you've got the hill dwarves, which are the dwarves that have kind of resurfaced and integrated with um, like overland society. Sure. Yeah. And there's a bit of conflict brewing there. There is some tension there, yeah, and that is something that will hopefully get explored. Um, but I'm I'm specifically trying to leave these things open ended. So as much as I have a general plot that you guys follow, what happens is shaped by your decisions. Oh, of course. But like, if we um, if we there is a possibility we will learn more about that story. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, and that is uh, what Gordy was essentially told to do, was, like, you know, figure out what's going on above, you know, is there any danger to us, and, you know, if there's more information you can find out about what's happening uh, between, you know, with the other settlements and what they're planning, then let us know, kind of Sure. Thing. Go spy. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, radio. This may be a little bit controversial, but I think my favorite part of the campaign so far was actually um, Karch's death. No, that's fair. Specifically when she was like floated out and like lit up, and then we played the um, light em up. <laughs> <laughs> it was so. That whole episode was so emotional. I literally was just sitting at home crying. Like, I do. I actually. I really did love that episode. Just the. Um... And it's something I'd like to uh, draw at some point is her send off. She certainly, um, like her death and the way her sort of story came to a close was pretty spot on. I don't know how we could have possibly improved. No, yeah, that. it's definitely like, how she would have wanted to go. If I, you know, if we could have done it a little bit differently, I would have liked to have included more about Katya's backstory before that happened. But yeah. I also think it's sort of more realistic in a way, like. Sometimes you don't get closure, and sometimes you don't learn all about someone before they just unexpectedly die. That yeah. episode did hit pretty hard. You've got to be honest. But also, for those of you, for those of you out there that aren't yet aware, go onto our Facebook or Tumblr page. Our wonderful DM drew a beautiful piece of art of the original group of characters together, and it's pretty damn accurate as to what the characters are and what they look like. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I I wasn't really sure about like what clothes uh, um, Leonard specifically wore, so I just went with how I imagine the clerical um, priest garbs are. I haven't exactly. I, that's not exactly something I put. I I'd never really sort of got a definitive picture in my head of what clothes he he wears. So I think I think what you drew was pretty spot on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. For Probably that. the only the only thing with the only thing is that um because Kodak's sitting down because of like the size and if he was standing up he'd be near the same size as Leonet and I feel like that's mildly inaccurate. Yeah, I'm just closer to the, whoever's viewing it. I re I realized that a little bit because it, it's difficult to resize things. Um, because I actually did pull up a height comparison chart because Leonet's yeah. eight foot, right? Uh, Kodak's yeah. is six 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 three, I think it was. And then six three, yeah, six three. Um, so he's closer to like Leonette's shoulder, 
But like I said, I'll just um, I just I'm just gonna I'm just going to believe that Leonette's on his knees in that. Yeah, panel. something like that. Um, and then there's a uh, uh, good old Katya who I think she's like five one or five three. Yeah. Yeah, very very short. I did not realize her maul was that big. Oh yeah, it's it's, oh, it's big. huge. Wouldn't want to take a whack from it. That's for sure. No. It, it's it's my lock screen. I absolutely love the art. Beautiful. I'm gonna print it off and frame it. That'd all. be a good idea. Hell yeah. I am going to um update it. I've got uh, a whip, a work in progress for those of you who don't. I was gonna write, okay then. <laughs> um. Of of Gordy. Um, that awesome. I'm gonna that I'm gonna do at some point. Like, would you do another group of all three of us? Yeah. So all I did with that is I drew all your characters separately and then just place them, save them as transparent files and then place them together. <laughs> Our discussion we had the other day is having Cartier as a force ghost in the background. Oh, I was just about to say, just have her like ghosting yeah. <laughs> in the background, just watching. Yeah, I was gonna like change it so that she's blue, yeah. like has a slight that glow in just oh transparency. Have her sitting on Leonette's shoulder or something. No, because then I'd have to redraw her. Just put her behind a tree, like, leaning oh, out. True. Just peeking out. <laughs> Always watching. <Yeah. laughs> okay, this is just like a shower thought that came into my head. You guys yeah, know yeah, what shoot. humidifiers are, right? Yeah. Well, if you fill the humidifier with holy water, would you cleanse an entire room of all evil? Ooh. Interesting. Depends on how big the room is. That's an idea for a cleric artificer, I think. It is. I think technically yes, because it's just if... an artificer who carries around a humidifier slaying vampires. <laughs> just like Strahd's <laughs> castle. They just fill yeah, it. Because if you do create and destroy They just fumigate it with holy water. <laughs> yeah. It's just um you know that thing that the guy uses in yeah. uh, Ponyo? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where he's like the shower thing and he's spraying it in front of him. It's just that, amazing. but a humidifier with holy water. <laughs> Honestly, one of those pressure packs would be amazing for an artificer. Just... <laughs> it would be fun to explore. Like, depending on, on what happens, because you're, you're about... Like, we've kind of reached the natural tipping point here um and the thing is like i have things planned but i don't want for you guys to feel like i've taken your hard work <laughs> and just set, like retconned it essentially what do you mean by um what do you mean by tipping point fetch quest well not not so much fetch quest but like there's still some things that you have unfinished to do in terms of um, work for Sir Orem, like, you found four of the five of the orbs. We know what... But there's still one that you haven't found. You know where it is, for the most part. Or roughly. Um, and obviously there's still, like, motivations behind that, what to do with them, um, how to protect them, things like that. But then there's also, like, character things, and that's what I'd really want to what I would like to explore more in the future is like character motivations sure, sure, and character moments. Like, you know, we haven't really delved much into Leonette's backstory. Yeah, that's or true. Or Gordy's mm -hmm. a little bit, but also not much. Um, 
and you know th- those are things that I personally would like to explore more because I think that if the characters you have those moments with characters then um it just becomes a little bit more believable a little bit more um immersive yeah, for people yeah totally I agree so that like that's that's ideally what I would like to explore more but you know depending on choices you guys could because there are other continents in this world like there are other countries they're just not really heard of so you guys could pretty much do anything hell yeah let's start a war i feel like we're already halfway there start a nuclear war let's develop the a-bomb no let's let's not not do that because that that would be a bad idea to so this reminds me of a reddit post of why you should never let engineers play artificers oh god yeah because they use real world physics See, here's the thing. Real world, real world mm-hmm. physics does not track in D and D. No, but they have magic physics, which is arguably worse. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. There's so much that could be done with it. Yeah, you're not wrong. So, um, I guess still on the character discussion, like, are there things about your characters that you know you would specifically like to um explore more, like a, a quest or you know, like um not like it. Kodak's family, for instance, is probably the closest one, but there's also things like, you know, Leonet's the own, pr- probably one of the only non-human clerics of the Eternal Flame that's in existence. Like, you know, does he want to do anything with that? I must admit, the one thing that um I really want to explore with Leonet is the fa- is um his clan and his family that he left behind. I am yeah. really, I'm really keen to see um how that comes about. I would be keen to see mm, some more Goliaths. Yeah. Mm. There's definitely some good moments to be had there, potentially. I'm really looking forward to meeting um, Kodak's family. For sure. Well, that makes one of us. <laughs> That's part of why I'm just like, mm, I sense trauma. Yeah. Enlighten me. It's going to be a fun time. Oh, it's, it's yeah, it's going to be unbearable. Oh. <laughs> We had yeah, to get yeah, one in there. Well, there. There had to be one pun. <laughs> I'm just going to keep a tally of the puns. That's how many D6s of damage you take. Oh, Jesus. Nah, I wouldn't do that. I might. Yes, you would. I would. It's just vicious mockery. Extreme oh, vicious mockery. Those kind of jokes um, should be considered an act of violence. Yes, agreed. That is why vicious mockery exists. Yeah. It should be considered war crimes. You crime. can potentially insult a commoner so hard he dies. I am the victim of a hate crime. Just pick on a kobold. Uh, if I remember correctly, a commoner in 5e has... Uh, Four hit points. They have an armor class of ten and a hit point of four. Yeah, it's right on the bottom of the one hit checkpoint uh, list. So I found this. So I found this post the other day while I was searching Reddit for quality oh, yeah, memes, me like that. I usually do. And I found reference to a one hit characteristic sheet. So what it was was mm. a list of various things. So when people say, "Oh, I could one hit such and such," there's a list to compare them. One that scares me the most is there's a build out there that can one hit a Tarask. 
which is supposed to be like an apocalyptic end of the world kind of event. It's basically a giant kaiju, except if it's the only kaiju in the world and lived inside of it. Um, yeah. Which which is great, but I think Tarasks are significantly less terrifying in 5th edition than they were in previous ones. They're significantly less terrifying considering a golem is immune to their damage and can on paper kill them one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, like, a <laughs> originally Tarasks, um, like, you actually could not kill them. You legitimately, even power word kill, if it was beneath um, the hit points, it would not die. Like, it was immune to most damage, resistant. Um, what is it? It regenerates, uh, because nothing can deal lethal damage to it. So the only way you could actually, like, deal with it was put it to sleep and keep it sub Also, like, the only way you can deal with me. Take an old on. <laughs> Take a notebook from Todd Howard's book and um, just send it to the future. It's the future's problem now. Yeah. Yes, that might have been a subtle Skyrim reference. <laughs> also, speaking of which, do you know how earlier you were saying about Tatia's send off and a song that just really stuck mm. with you? Honestly, one of mine was um, "Run." I think it's it's yes. a very good song. The um the one that I'm probably most proud of, purely for the reaction it got, is after we had our first taste of combat with yeah. that big wolf thing, and I played "Hungry Like the Wolf." <laughs> I just there are so many songs that because I've actually made a full playlist of uh, airwaves tunes. That's amazing. And like songs wow. for different characters, um, but they we don't have any of them, like mm -hmm. at the station, and I don't own them. Yeah. So, so like um like Ari like uh losing my religion right that's probably a very quintessential almost thematic song for this like for Leonette I think specifically um sure but the original version's really upbeat or not really upbeat but kind of upbeat and there's this other version by Sean James um who did a cover of it and it's just it is a absolutely beautiful uh cover of it and it's just a little bit slower and a little bit sadder yeah, right. Is this, um... My brain's had a blank at the moment. Is this... I was thinking of the song. Are you talking about Through the Valley? No, Losing My Religion. It oh. is by the same guy who did those songs, though. That's fair. Um, I, I really like his stuff. I do, actually, so... I do have a, a very specific mm -hmm. question for for you, M. Purely because you're the only person so far that has had, um, mm -hmm. like you, you're, you're the only person who's changed characters, like, um, and they're both quite different, like in terms of life experience and personality, but neither of them like actually really trust. Are we, are we going into my point. childhood trauma on air? 
This is just like a self-insert. I don't trust anyone. Because <laughs> I, I was about to be like, I feel like that's probably kind of a little bit because you don't trust him. Um, But the actual question was like, do you think that Gordy is more likely to come to trust Sir I th- Oren I think that um, with Katja, she wouldn't have ever trusted him. Just like, she just had sort of like an instinct that like, there's something that I don't like about this guy. She's never going to like him, never going to trust him. Whereas I think Gordy is a lot more naive. So while she's suspicious, if Arnie Wicklow was to say to her, trust him, he's a good guy, she would just immediately trust him. Because for some reason, she like implicitly trusts Arnie Wicklow. So I think... For some reason, everyone trusts Arnie Wicklow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think she's a lot more likely to trust him than Karcher was. Yeah. No, that that makes sense. Do you think Katya would have uh, liked Gordy? I think she would have loved her. I think she would have. Um, I think like if she was there with the boys and they were kind of like, oh, you know, like can you take her along, kind of thing. I think she would have tried very hard not to because she wouldn't have wanted to see her get hurt, and yeah. she would have sort of been a little bit like tough love kind of thing because she wouldn't like she would have been overprotective. But it would have come out a little bit sort of like, oh, you know, you're useless. You should just go home just because she wouldn't be able to stand it if anything happened to her while she was sort of watching over her. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, Gordy is a little ball of sunshine. Yes. <laughs> She's determined to make friends with everyone, which is hilarious considering she has an eight charisma. Yeah. Yeah, the f- can we talk about that for a second? Just everyone's charisma. We we need we need to talk about this. Kodak's the highest charisma in this party is is Kodak. Yeah, and it's not exactly great. <laughs> well, I think it's a ten. A ten. It's a, yeah, something like that. Um, so like realistically, if it wasn't for the fact that it was a like in character plot option you would not have been able to just multi-class yeah no that, that's that's very fair <laughs> because the prereq for warlock is a 13 Ooh. yeah i think the only class i could have legitimately multi-class into was fighter barb um possibly monk no nah, uh, or cleric like one of the wisdom based ones yeah that's true i could have went into those Kodak yeah. as a monk druid would have been an interesting mix. Yeah, can you... Yeah, by definition, you can use the monk stuff in Wild Shape. Yeah, that that would be a time. I basically just made a bootleg Kung Fu Panda. Oh my god. <laughs> it's either that or you turn into an octopus yes. as a druid. And then start using your martial art die for every hit. Just a cross between an octopus and a bear. Oof. Oh, hundred percent. Good old Octo Bear. Mm. No, like <laughs> I that. think we do. <laughs> I love it. I'm obsessed. Mm. I guess, like, speaking of of multiclassing too, like, are there other classes you would like other people would be interested in considering in terms of multiclassing if you had the option? I'm happy just with the rogue. Yeah, I almost think it's a bit late at this point. Not really. Like, 
multi-class you can multi-class whenever especially if there's a story purpose for it i'm, I'm sure really but like uh, it, uh, I w- we wouldn't i wouldn't really have time to like get up into the decent levels before the campaign ended yeah true i think i don't know if ben feels the same way but i think because i'm still so new to D, i want to keep things simpler because i'm still very much learning and i feel like multi-classing at this point i would just like the confusion would be so high no, that that makes sense. And like, oh, this isn't me pushing guys towards multiclassing. It's just something that I think of a lot because I multiclass a lot. Um, I purely because the way I play is, I go, this is my idea that I want. I can't do it with this class, and I can't do it with this class. But mm-hmm. they both have what I want, so I'll just multiclass it. Which is how you get a Charles, yeah. who is a Ranger Paladin. Yeah, no, multi-classing, you don't need to do it. Like, I'm perfectly happy doing just straight druid, but the option was kind of there. I had, like, the wires connected, and I worked out what Arnie Wicklow was a little bit in advance. Yeah. You also have the benefit of <laughs> you live with me, and I need someone to talk to about what's going yeah. on. As a fellow DM, I'm pretty good to bounce ideas off sometimes. Yeah, like, um, plans for whenever we can do the next campaign, like, the next session, which, god, I hope is soon. Um, I hope you guys like 1v1. (laughs) Flashback to never hitting the last guy at all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, literally just brought him into the realm and then was like, "Uh, he's your problem now. Yeah, Gordy brings him in. She's like, right, I'm a head out. <laughs> <laughs> we just turn around, Gordy, we could use some help. And it's just Gordy shaped dust and she's ran away. <laughs> yeah, basically. No, I kept trying. I just like, and then I failed the skills challenge and it was just not a good time. <laughs> to be fair, Kodak hasn't done anything productive in a. Um... His skills challenge since that us being chased by wolves. Yeah, true. We have failed the last few. God yeah, damn, we Kodak all has suck. Done nothing productive. <laughs> I was gonna say we're all it's just not just me. Arse. You guys are also the problem. Nah, honestly, I think failing is it sometimes is. more interesting. Shouldn't say much more fun, but it generally sure. leads true. to more interesting scenarios. And it also, like, it opens up avenues for, you know, character interactions and also, I guess, yeah, of course. learning as players how to navigate things. Yep. <clears throat> like, um, yeah, for sure. try, say you try to do something and it's... I'm trying to think of a situation that I can use as, like, an example... Uh, like, you're on your last spell slot and you want to do this thing, but it doesn't do what you thought it would do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) That wasn't actual, that wasn't, like, directed, but now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, I think you've done that before. (laughs) No, no, I was just thinking of, um, because the way you said, um, (laughs) you run out of spell slots, and immediately was like, you run out of spell slots and you spot him. Shut <laughs> up. He's following about 30 feet back. Um, there is a stat block for actual Cannibal Shia LaBeouf. 
Oh my god! I've run a one shot based around actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. I was about it to was... say I want to be in a campaign where he's where the whole thing is just you navigating the woods while he's chasing you. Um, I had an escort mission that went sideways. Um, it took my players three hours to realize that the Shia LaBeouf song was the inspiration <laughs> for my one shot. I love that so much. They were very peeved at me afterwards. It was kind of funny. They're like, are you kidding? It's so and a one shot based on a song, and I'm like, yeah. yeah, you guys wanted a one shot and gave me three hours to prep. Yeah. I spent two and a half of those asleep. Good, good, amazing job. I was I was meant yeah. to run D and D for friends last night, and I did, and it was fine. They kept trying to avoid combat while I'm sitting here going, no, this is a combat session. You have to fight. Please just get to the combat. I think I'm like four weeks behind on supposed. I was supposed to start my session at the start of this trimester. Please, please, oh, please. Out. I want to. I'm still like my four weeks in, and I haven't done anything, but. I'll get to it, <laughs> hopefully. I suppose, um, I guess this is more a question for you, Ben, that isn't really related to D&D. Like, if we do finish this season, do you think there would be, like, the option to come back and continue with the characters and the story and other stuff? Um, oh, jeez, to be honest, I'm not really sure. Like, I would certainly want, you know, depending on availability, of course, I'd, you know what's possible i would like there to be future seasons of dungeons and airwaves i wouldn't like this to just be a one and done show yeah of course and because like there were As... stuff before us um i don't know if they did they ever finish any of those other shows they had a few one shots they finished um and the the first season finished and i think the second one did i'm not sure about the third though yeah you know i think the third it started to go a little off the wagon the third one sort of just pizzled out without an ending mm. But like in regards to you know, could there be uh could it be a similar like set in the same universe possibly? I don't know if it and with the same characters maybe, but I'm not too sure how well it would work. Well, so my thought there was like um, so and this is something obviously I'd have to talk with Tanya about our station manager is sure um. So I, I set this world up and you have this story and this possibility and um, you do the stuff and maybe you leave something unturned, right? Sure. Um, and then there's the options there for it to come back or I leave an open-ended ending where the, like you can come back with the same characters because there's something else that they want to do as a group. Like they want to go off and explore other continents. Sure. Sure. Um, um I mean, I wouldn't, this is, I wouldn't immediately rule it out. Yeah. I guess the other thing there, like, is that something that you guys would be interested in? Maybe. It would certainly be interesting. And I do get very attached to characters. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Um, I I would be down for another campaign. I really want to bring, say, an arcane trickster mm. or maybe an eldritch yeah. knight. Mm. One of those classes that I kind of passed up on when I built Kodak. Like that's the thing. Like if it's something that people are open to, and if listeners want more airwaves, like I can say we can continue with these guys once this plotline is finished. Sure. 
and have them exploring a different plotline, or it can be set in the same world, and you guys play completely different characters. Yeah, true. Because like we, we are at the point where we are coming to the conclusion, but that's going to take a while. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like We're not going to hit it in the next three to four episodes. It's going to be like the next two to three months kind of thing. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. Assuming everything goes to plan. Well, yes. Well, yeah. yeah. If uh, COVID allows. Mm, God damn. It is uh, unfortunate. Yeah. It is. Um, so I did ask people if, like, listeners slash friends, if they had any questions for us. I only got one. Um, so thank you, Tal, for that. Uh, Cheers, Tal. And it was, do you have any tips for avoiding and or mitigating character creation burnout, uh, both for player characters Ooh. and non-player characters for DMs who are struggling with it? Define, defi- define like, character creation burnout. What exactly does that mean? Oh. <laughs> As in, like, getting, getting sick of your character? I think so, or like, no, running like out of roleplay burnout, running out of steam. Stuff. As someone who is personal friends with this person, I can ask them. I can ask him to yeah. clarify. From, from the way it was worded, it kind of sounded like they were asking... So I'm assuming they're a DM. Um, not at the moment. He's actually a player in a couple of campaigns with me. Okay. Because I don't know if I misread it, but the way it sounded is as if from a DM point of view, how do you go about not burning out from making characters and NPCs? I mean, my my advice there is use a random NPC generator. My favorite one is go with tropes and just try and twist them tropes. slightly. Make them memorable, but tropes are your friends. They can get boring if you use yeah. them too much, but they are a very good starting point. Yeah, like, um, I had this realization the other day, and I think you were sitting on the couch with me, and I was like, oh, shit. So, Aurum's literally just Odin. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that was my realization. I had to go and have a moment where I was like, huh. I had a dwarf who survived Curse of Strahd, but accidentally ended up being like Odin as well. It's a great time. (laughs) I just accidentally rolled a dice on Gordy's character sheet. Whoops. Well, roll off a new character. Gordy died. <laughs> Suddenly the charisma <laughs> is off the charts. Oh, Gordy's got a 25 for charisma. I, w- I will say... Everyone will love me. Like, when you hit a certain point, I, I highly do suggest that... Um, probably Gordy, especially given uh, that you're a rogue, is maybe bump up the charisma. Mm-hmm. Will do. Um, because they can be detrimental for things like deception as a spy or persuasion, mm. things like that. Um, Gordy's just too giggly. <laughs> no one suspects the cute ones. They don't, no. Just... Gordy just disguises herself as a human child. Yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> That's a how child. I get into all the bars, is I just pretend my parents are in there. Okay, um, so I, I did just get a, a response from um, Tal there, and um, he mentioned that another friend of ours uh, was struggling, said that he was struggling to come up with new characters for D&D because it's something he wasn't used to. 
so like characters yeah. to play, like characters yeah. player characters. I think I think the way that I come up with my characters is like well when I first came up with my one for the other campaign mm, Tarana, yeah. that was like yeah, an Irish vampire. Um I just kind of take characters that I think are interesting. And if you can't think of anything, base it off like a book character and then just make it your own. Yeah. Um, like a lot of people when they first start D and D, they tend to just make themselves, or yeah, like an idealized sure. fantasy version of themselves. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> then we both. That's did why it. intelligence is my dump stat. What is what was that, Ash or Em? What did you it say? Was... I said we both did it. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Billy said that that's why intelligence is his dump stat. <laughs> um. But no, I think, like, starting from, like, pre-made characters is a really good idea. Like, like, what do you... Yeah, there's a good step yeah. in, so what works? So take, um, let's say Bilbo, because I'm reading The Hobbit right now for uni. What is it about Bilbo that makes him interesting? He is just a normal dude. He's a stoner. He's, uh, I guess, canonically, <laughs> uh, dwarves, uh, hobbits have weed. Um, mm -hmm. why Merry and Pippin were so happy after Isengard. Yeah. But but yeah, that is like what's memorable and interesting about him is that he is just a a normal guy who gets thrust into something bigger than he is. Um, sure. Although everything's bigger than he is. <laughs> Fair point. Um, I was gonna say while we talk about the unwilling hero, it's a it's a really good trope to go off. Um, so I don't know if you guys ever read the Rowan of Rin yes, series. Um, yeah. So, um, I never read them, but I'm familiar with them. It's pretty much, it's a good example of someone who's not particularly good at anything being thrust into this adventure and somehow coming out on top. Accidentally yeah. succeeding. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's, it's a very good trope. Um... I guess the other thing that I look at is sometimes I don't come up with characters. Like, I don't start from the character. I start from the class or an idea. So I go, what class haven't I played before? So, because I I mainly play face characters, so characters with high charisma like bards, uh, bards uh, warlocks, sorcerers. I tend to prefer that sort of stuff because I'm more interested in the roleplay scenarios. Um, I'm a big fan of intelligence-based characters or characters with intelligence as a secondary attribute. Yeah. So, like, your Eldritch Knights, Arcane yeah. Tricksters. Wizards, wizards are good fun. But so, like, that, like, I start with a class and I go, okay, what is something interesting I can do with this class and how can I translate that into a character? So a character idea that I came up with that has absolutely no name, I don't know anything else about the character, they're a bard. They're a jester. Their main spells that they use are Stinking Cloud and Vicious Mockery. Oh dear god. Um, and all they do <laughs> is cast Stinking Cloud to make it look like someone's farted or shat themselves, and then they use Vicious Mockery on them. Puck from A Midsummer <laughs> Night's Dream? Pretty much, yeah. Um, actually, Shakespeare characters are a really good like, starting point. Very good starting point. Um, another one is 
I don't do it so much anymore because everything's online, but I used to have a notebook I used to take with me to class. And it was just full of characters. A character would pop up into my head or perhaps a fun NPC and I'd just scribble it yeah, down. Yeah, I do that as well. Um, um, there were some busted builds in there because sometimes I'd be like, hey, I wonder just how many attacks I can get off in a turn. Or better yet, how to get the most amount of damage. Like, I accidentally built a monk that could run 320 feet around. Maxi. Oh, God. Uh, surprisingly not. He can go even faster as a tabaxi. You get like 640. Yeah. Um, there was some guy on the internet who's like, oh yeah, I've got a character that can move 1,200 feet in a round. Yeah. For reference, that's about six seconds, so... That's insane. Yeah. And, and this but is I think my a favorite... round, not a turn, but yeah. Yeah. Something that um I don't do so much with D&D, but I do when I'm writing, is... If you go go to like an avatar creator mm. and just create like um create a character that you like the look of and then build from there. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you build like a character that looks super edgy, then you can you know make them a rogue or you know but build up from yeah from the base. Something else that's what really am fun. I... Sorry, Billy. Um, no, that's is subvert the tropes. So. Build like a Geralt of Rivia style Witcher who looks like he's gonna be this really deep, brooding guy, and then have him have the personality of Yaskia and be a bard. I have a Minotaur barbarian with. So he's huge, he's like seven and a half foot tall. Not as tall as Leo, but pretty close, like built like a. Like a Minotaur. Basically built like a kiln. Yeah. Um, but his character trope is he's terrified of cows. Oh my god, I love it. Because they have minotaur heads and animal bodies, and he doesn't quite understand Moo. where it comes from. He just, he sees cows and that's it. It's like the uncanny so, valley for minotaurs. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you've got a minotaur head, but you don't speak and you have an animal body. Who's done this to you? Like, who's cursed you? And then it just like moves and he's up over the fence and he's taken yeah. off. As someone who is also terrified of cows, I adore this character. As someone who has been uh, chased by cows multiple times, agreed. Yeah, they're as terrifying. Someone, yeah, someone who's had to muscle them and has had bruised ribs from being kicked, mm-hmm. they have their moments. <laughs> they are a good time, though. I do love cows. Terrifying. I like them with gravy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, delicious. <laughs> well, I hope we answered the question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hopefully we did. If not, we just went on a very fun tangent for oh, a bit. That's half the fun of TV, right? Like going on. They're just yes! sitting there going, "Well, this hasn't helped at all. <laughs> if anything, it made things worse." Uh, I think. And there's so many different ways you can do with D&D. Like, if you're struggling for characters, there is literally random D&D character generators. True. They are good, especially if you're in a bind. I use um one for name generators. Um, there was yeah. one that was really funny. Sometimes you just have the party want to know everyone in the room's name, and there's like 30 people yeah. just from you describing the scene. Um, so now you've got to come up with like 20-something names on the spot. So the one that I really love, it is in all caps and it swears, and it is who the F, the full word is my dndcharacter.com, 
um, and you can just hit random. And the one I just got then was Moody Human Barbarian from the Most Vile of Swamps, who wears a mysterious necklace that constantly brings them out in a rash. Oh my god. Sweet Jesus Christ. Uh, a decisive dragonborn paladin from a slave market who has a serious weapons fetish. I love dragonborns. <laughs> I might actually build that Dramatic character. dwarf <laughs> wizard from a deserted <laughs> island who prefers to fight drunk. Like, there are so many really great ones. There are also um, <laughs> ones where you can actually full-on generate the uh, like character sheet as well. Hmm. I go to cast Fireball, pulls bottle from Bag of Holding. Yeah. <laughs> so there's an npcgenerator.com is very good. I use this for my NPCs when I'm in a jam. Um, it's just, you click random, it gives you the ability scores, relationships, their alignment tendencies, their personality traits, uh, a description of them, and it also gives you a plot hook. Hmm. So the one that the one that I just rolled then, for instance, is the plot hook is that she approaches the PCs by falling from the sky, and it also notes that she has a fifty percent chance of surviving the landing. Oh my god, <laughs> she doesn't, and just this corpse falls onto the ground in front of the party. Yeah, and it's like it's even good. Like if you're stuck for plot hooks as a DM, it's also really great to just hit generate for the plot for the plot hooks as a, as a dm having stuff randomly fall from the it's sky hilarious. can be one of the funniest most terrifying moments for your players so my players their first introduction to a dragon they just finished fighting a rock and they were pretty banged up and they're like oh thank god we don't have to do that anymore this dragon should be a piece of cake mm. none of them had ever seen a dragon before and they see something large drop from the sky. It was the body of a rock that had been torn up by a dragon. Uh, good and it made the party really reconsider actually trying to actively kill a dragon. I love dragons. <laughs> they all just go home. Pretty much. That was the... I intended for them to go back. To the... They had like a small little hamlet thing where they went back to rest. and mm. You had a SimCity Sim City simulator kind of going on there. Yeah, there's like there's so many different fun things that you can do with that. Yeah, I guess an another thing to think of that I don't know if we actually touched on, like, what do you think your character's current motivations are? Oh, um, geez. I guess Fenelon, um, Fenelon's instructions. Mm. That and I think like in character, Gordy is extremely curious about this whole orb thing. Because no one kind of really told her what was going on, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh my god, we found these really important things!" And she's like, huh? "Okay, what are they for?" And they're all like, "Oh, what? I've never seen we these things know. in my life." <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that's very much Leo and Kodak's energy. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. I've never seen them before that's in my also life. Just Who are you? D and D in general, like, especially yeah. if it's a current player who has a new PC. Um, you're so used to that player being there that you just forget that their new PC does not know what's going on. Which is kind of fun, because like when, when they realise it's just sort of like, ah, quick, cover it up. Mm. <laughs> Act natural. I mean, fair enough. Yeah, like, sometimes there are things that you don't want to talk about in character. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it do be like that sometimes. Like the Kodak family. Yeah, that that's that's one. Um, that's kind of Kodak's reason for adventuring. Yeah. Oh, I'm so, I'm so excited to introduce his sister. I am so terrified already. Oh, you should be. She's she's going to be so I, big. I just can't wait. Mm. Big buff, scarred up fair lady. Think that. So, in saying that, Kodak's not quite the runt of his family, but by definitions of his family, he's the runt of the family. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Gordy has a new best friend. Yeah, oh, God. Gordy is significantly shorter than the dwarf minimum height. Yeah. But she's still very <laughs> young. She's not in, like, she's not considered an adult in dwarven years because she's only 25. Yeah. They don't reach adulthood until they're around 50. So you're just traveling with a child. <laughs> Basically, a child that likes knives. We're going to traumatize this child so badly. Care for the infant. A child. <laughs> what do you got there? A no! knife! No! <laughs> it's only one thing worse than a no. Russian grandma. <laughs> A child. <laughs> as long as be... talking about Russian grandmas, as long as Arnie Wicklow's house doesn't start kicking me, I think we'll be fine. Yeah, no nah, she's. Because mm. my my yeah. dr- one of my druids I was playing once got beaten up by b- basically Baba Yaga's hut that badly in Curse of Strahd. I just have an innate fear of witches and their huts. I won't invite you over to my house then. I make no promises. Um, no, as long as as long as Little you stay legs. on the house's good side. I'll I'll try to. That's fair. <laughs> well, I just don't know how to stay on a house's good side, to be honest. Don't slam the doors. Oi! Don't you be no doing sticking that. knives in the table. Yeah, definitely don't. That's, That's how you get on um, Arnie Wicklow's bad side. No. Hey, I... get out of my sandwich. Get out of my sandwich. No. <laughs> it is weird recording at home. Like, oh, yeah. Mm. I have to say, mm. it is. It's very strange. It's I'm weird because I can kind of hear Ash. <laughs> I cannot hear you, um, but that's because I've got better headphones. To be fair, I'm just using my phone headphones hooked into my computer. Yeah. Just like gaping open. Like, yeah, yeah close often, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> We're just staring at each other down the hallway. Sticks it out. Hello. I have to say, though, I think Arnie Wicklow is probably one of the most fun NPCs I've ever played. He's so fun. Oh, fair, sure. She's, uh, I, I definitely want to bring her into some of my other campaigns. Yes. She's just, she's just so great and lovable. Ash, I do have a question from you as one DM to another, though. Yes. So, on the theme of reoccurring characters, do you ever have characters that you'd like to recycle between your campaigns? Uh-huh. Even if they're in different settings? Not... Not really, um, but that's only because currently they're 
outside of airwaves airwaves is sort of in a different setting to the other campaign um but it's probably going to become my standard setting no that's fair like i i don't really have characters the closest one i probably have to that is a old pc of a friend's um purely because currently the home game that i'm running is pirates based and i first ran this in fourth edition for some other friends um and one of my mates played a kobold bard merchant called keek and i thought it would be really hilarious if in this campaign setting keek just shows up in the most random of places with a selection of magical items I would love that. Not not this campaign yeah. that we're playing currently, but like in the actual other um, Dreadnoughts campaign. He just shows up and he's got like a pack of cards, a toothpick, and then a legend. I kind of love that though. And he's just a very dapper gentleman who wears halfling suits. Your, your kobold and mine would um, have a time. So I had a kobold called Scratch, and his only dream was to fly. So, um, he was an artificer and didn't even realize that magic, like, his spells that he was using to reinforce everything he made was actually magic. He just thought he was really good at it. Oh, bless. So, um, he he tried lots of things to try and fly. One of the most memorable scenes was him crashing a hang glider that he built. Um, another time he fell out of a tree waving two branches thinking that would work. Oh, we've all been there. No. I think that's definitely the funnest thing about D&D is you can just, especially when you make joke characters, they always end up... Meme characters are always the best. ...becoming more... They are. They become more memorable and they're more fun to play and it means that they tend to be more emotional when the actual, like, when stuff actually Mm. happens. Yeah. But that's also, like, different playstyles are a thing in D&D and... You know, it's it's about finding a group that really meshes with your playstyle and your DM style. Like, if everyone you're playing with is into stories and role-playing where the DM only cares about doing really intense dungeon crawls because they find that uh, intellectually stimulating for themselves, then you're not gonna you're not gonna mesh, and that's. Mm. That's something that, you know, if you're, if you're looking to get into D&D, like, definitely try it. Um, just don't get disheartened or discouraged if the first couple of times, like, you're, you're not having... Not, not if you're not having fun, but if it feels like you don't fit, um, I promise you there's definitely a group that you fit in. It just might not be that one. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You've got to make, yeah. You've got to find Shop around. Um, you've got to find a group that can mesh with you. And don't immediately if you are finding if you if you are having trouble, you know, if you are having trouble sort of getting used to it or if you are having trouble sort of gelling with it and really no. getting into it and having fun, don't immediately assume that you are the problem. Cuz and it's and that's not to say that the that there's a problem with the DM or the other players. Yeah. It's just sometimes, you know, you yeah, you might not be the best fit. Every every table's different, so it's all about finding what works for you, what doesn't. 
Yeah. And communication is the absolute biggest thing in D&D. Yeah. If you're not having fun exactly. and you're not no saying one's gonna, anything. Yeah, exactly. No one's going to know. And I've been I've been quite lucky personally because I've um the t- I've only done two campaigns, this one and my previous one, and they were both cam- they're both campaigns that I really really enjoyed and I really really jumped straight into and had a fantastic mm. time of it. I know that that would not be the norm. Uh, yeah. yeah. We'll have to get you around for a one shot. Oh hell yes! Oh, that'd be do, fun. Do come over. But like a lot of people, a lot mm-hmm. of people wouldn't. That wouldn't be everyone's. That wouldn't be everyone's experience. You might have, you know, a bit of difficulty. You might not gel with the first one. Don't don't be yeah. disheartened. Don't especially if you just say go to your local game store and be like, hey, is there a table free? Um, that can be a great way to start. But you know, you don't know those people, and I've done that with D and D before, mm-hmm. and I did have fun. But it they also weren't people that i felt comfortable with um and i eventually just i left the group because it just it wasn't great yeah no a big part of it is feeling comfortable found a lot of people are more open to role-playing their characters if they're in an environment where they feel comfortable is it awkward leaving a group uh not really just stop responding to the messages i guess this one was me i was like hey you're making some mm-hmm. jokes that make Bruce. me, as a specific type of person, very uncomfortable. Mm. Please stop. And he went, no, haha, it's just a yeah. joke, don't take things oh. so seriously. And I went, cool, I'm yeah. not I'm not coming back. So I was like, I'll oh, see you next week, X to doubt. Yeah, essentially, I was like, haha, no, you're not seeing me again. Yeah, you should never have to force yourself to go to something that's meant to be um, a hobby. And fair enough, too. If you're not feeling comfortable and enjoying yeah. yourself. And I I definitely find that as much as I love playing, um, DMing is where my heart is at. I really want to try DM, DMing. Sure. I love playing. DMing is good I fun. highly recommend it for anyone who wants to get into D&D. Um, you're going to have a much easier time convincing your friends to play with you if you're going to DM. If you say, "Hey, I'll DM," because um, everyone wants to play, not many people want to DM. It takes a special kind of person to be able to just go. And in saying that, every DM's different as well. So every DM's got their own style. You have some that will prep for weeks, and then you have me who basically flies off the seam of my pants with a couple of lines on a page and something about a cobalt and a gnome costume. Oh yeah, the notes that I have for um okay, I have notes for session 16. The last no- the last notes that I had for the last thing that we did was uh argument with Annie Wicklow. <laughs> That's so beautiful. Uh, potential to talk to Leonette and that was it. I I'm running a one shot in October and I've been prepping for last month. <laughs> Like, I have this huge stack. Well, that's the thing is I'm, like, I'm so worried that, like, I won't be prepared for a specific scenario. Like, again, (laughs) because I'm so new, I can't wing it as well as, like, more veteran-y people would be able to. So I'm just, like, I need everything. And also... there's definitely a difference between winging it and... Um, bending yeah. yes as well. But I I don't have like all that background mm. knowledge, and for me, like yeah. I know I'm gonna be so much less anxious and enjoy it so much more if I'm super super pre- 
prepared. Like, I'm just an anxious yeah. person. No, that, that makes sense. So, the more prepared I am, the less likely I am to be like, oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not comfortable. Yeah, and that's the other thing I think that players need to be aware of is that your DM is a player as well. Yeah, you guys make the story together. Like, they should be having just mm. as much fun. Uh, they are still involved in this story, and the DM is a person. Like. Sometimes they're going to need to be like, hey, give me a second, I need to look this up, or I don't actually know, hang on. Mm. And, you know, sometimes, you know, the DM might be like, look, normally, yeah, but I'm going to say no for this mm -hmm. reasons. Um, like, so Polearm Master, right? It's a feat that you're probably familiar yes. with. <laughs> yes, I am. I, I very much love Polearm Master. So Polearm Master is a feat that lets you do a bonus attack with a weapon, with the same weapon. But it doesn't explicitly say that it has to be the same enemy or an enemy within reach. So the issue that I ran into during combat was uh, one of my players went, okay, I attack twice because uh, they're paladin, so they get two attacks at this level. Uh, I attack twice with my action. Now I'm going to move 30 feet and attack with my bonus action for Polar Master. And I was like, technically in the rules it says that. Yeah. Because it doesn't not say that. It but, is true. And this is where DM's word is law kind of thing happens, is I said, look, as a DM and from a purely combat perspective, this does not make sense. So I'm happy to let you use this bonus action to attack, but you have to use it either on the same enemy or an enemy that's adjacent. Yeah, I'd like to use it as an opponent that's within reach of yeah. where you're currently standing when you use it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like if someone tried to do that with Monk and their attacks, like yeah. move between multiple targets. Um, like if they're all clustered, that's fine, but ac actively yeah, moving a lot more sense. like a very long way away, and I was like, mm. Yeah. Like, also, op speaking, opens them up to attack of opportunity and stuff like that. Well, they one-shot the other oh. guys they were fighting. Oh, never mind then. <laughs> they had 9 HP. I threw what were basically minions at them. Yeah, the good old cannon fodder. Jesus. Yeah, 5e does not have a concept of minions anymore, which is unfortunate. <laughs> no, my favourite one is when you take something weak that should be a relatively simple encounter and you put actual tactics to it. Yeah, pack um, tactics. They're deadly. Well, not just that. Um... I'm trying to think of whose campaign it was. Ask Matt about goblin phalanxes. Oh, God. So a friend of ours was running a one-shot, and he basically had goblins set up in a Roman phalanx formation mm -hmm. and was just running them like a basically a bulwark up the middle of the field. That's pretty smart. It was amazing to see. Like, that, that is something I struggle with in um, combat is tactics. Um, I like using tactics for traps in dungeons as opposed to, oh, look, there's a spike here. A fun one's kobolds. Because mm. kobolds are used to kobold-weighted things running through their tunnels. Yeah. So you make pitfall traps that aren't activated by small creatures. But say something heavier like a human or something like that that might be chasing the kobold yeah. will activate said trap. Yeah. That, or you set them above kobold head height, but about torso height for humans. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of fun you can do with that. Giving me some ideas for dungeon crawls. I think my favourite dungeon crawl was a Groundhog Day themed one-shot. 
where the party started passing yep. around this cursed item. So what they didn't realize is when they touched it, it basically anchored their soul to a point in time. So every time they died, it was only meant to be from one like one player's perspective and it restarts the encounter. So they had the knowledge to pass to the party. But next thing you know, the entire party starts handing it around to one another. So before you know it, they were all activated. That was basically like playing Halo with all the skulls on. It was just one person died, back to checkpoint kind of stuff. They did enjoy it because I did. Each time they went back, the encounters did change slightly. Mm. Um, that And little did they know the dungeon was based off a Pac-Man map. I just took a level off Pac-Man. There are even gelatinous cubes to imitate the ghosts. Yeah, I love that. It was a good time. Um, did you guys have any questions? How do you think we're going? Like, are we are we doing okay as players? <laughs> yeah, you guys are doing really great. Like, um, inter like I really have been enjoying like the interactions between you guys as characters. Like the conversation that um sure. gordy and Leonette had i'd love if there was more of that honestly that was like my, probably my second favorite thing i just like that was one of the moments where i was like i felt like i was gordy talking to leo yeah rather than me playing gordy talking to ben playing leo and that that's probably the best thing that i can give as advice is when you're in these scenarios say you're like you're thinking oh gordy's going to do this um instead of doing that like my character will do this or can i do this just go first person i am doing this like own it yeah. or um instead of just being like hey can i ask Blar sure. a question just ask that person a question yeah and it's obviously it's something that takes time and takes practice and it takes a little bit to get over that initial kind of anxiety and fear of role playing but once you get into it yeah. it's it's really good. I've had a whole four hour session in another campaign where I as the DM didn't have to do shit because everyone else was doing it. I just sat back and I was like, okay, uh, roll a insight check or roll a wisdom saving throw, like um, things like that. And that's Yeah. 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 That's one thing as a DM. It's good when the party have those moments. Because it also, it takes a lot of pressure off you as DM as well. It also feels a lot of time, but not just that. Those wholesome moments are also, can give rise to moments of urgency. Just say a messenger has arrived, they're out of yeah. breath, they're trying to find the party. Like, not to interrupt it, but there is things going on in mm. the world around them outside yeah. that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, did, did you have a question, um, Em? I don't think so. I think, I don't know, just sort of like rolling with it. Yeah. Or trying to. <laughs> um, the only question I have, it's not really, re it's not really related to the, um, to the campaign itself, but I found a, um, uh, a, a, a bit of a, a conversation, a bit of a discussion on a Reddit, um, forum about dun Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. Um, is it not is it normal for a dungeon master to be paid for their services? <laughs> uh, okay, so not normal. Didn't think um, it is something that I understand where people are coming from and I would be open to it. Sure. If it was say at an event. Okay. Um yeah, so paid DMs is really one of those things that 
it is a hot topic in the community. Like a lot of DMs argue for and against it, and there are valid arguments to both. Yeah. But it's very much down to preference. Also down to the quality of what you're getting for what you're yeah. paying. Because some DMs are like, here, here's some pieces of paper. That will be 25 bucks yeah. for, say, four hours, which isn't too bad. But if it's just paper, yes. Yeah. It's all about finding that value where you value your time. Also, yeah. what kind of adventures are they running? Do you have to veto the DM before running? Mm-hmm. Um, do you give them an idea or is it just modules from the book? Yeah. What were you going to say there, Em? Um, are you sure they were talking about this kind of dungeon master being paid? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> to be fair, the other one also is hot topic. <laughs> um, so, like, for for example, right, say Blackheart reached out to me and was like, hey, we're having an event, would you be open to DMing? I would be happy to do that, sure. but because I've been approached by a local business, I would expect to be paid for my time. Whereas if I, for example, went to Blackheart and said, hey, is there a table open on blah, blah, blah night? Uh, can I run it then because I'm approaching the business, I would not expect people to pay me. Like I wouldn't expect the business to pay me. I'd be paying for the table hire. The only payment I would expect from my players there is chipping in for table hire. If it became expensive or, you know, just if we're doing in-person sessions, bring some snacks. (laughs) Your late slides chips across the table. Like... Yeah, as a DM, I'm a big fan of um, DM bribes in the forms of snacks. Yeah, everyone has their price. <laughs> Not actual bribes. Yeah, but... I... I cannot be bribed. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's an interesting topic. Um. I can see arguments both for and against, but my my general thing is if I'm doing this for fun, no, I don't expect payment. If I'm doing it for someone else as an event to draw customers or uh, consumers or people to an event, then yes. Um, but yeah, you know, that's just, it's the way it swings. Um, we are at about an hour and a half, though, so I'll probably call the discussion here. Um, I guess the last thing, like, is there any feedback that you guys have for me as a DM? Like, is there something that... This is where, this is where I'm just joking, <laughs> be like, give us a dragon! My only feedback is that as the only one who hasn't dropped an F-bomb, get better. All of you. (laughs) I knew that was coming up. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I just, you know, I hope this has given you guys and also the audience um, maybe just, like, some insight into where we're going and how, you know, things are feeling. Things are still up in the air right now with what's happening. So as soon as we know... You will know. Exactly. Once we can get some clarification as to exactly what we're able to do and what we are limited into doing and what we can't do, we'll be we'll try and figure out a format to keep things going. Yeah. 
Because I, I have no intentions to stop. Are we going to do like a another bonus episode next week if we can't do a session? Um, if we can't do a session, I'm open to it if you guys are doing a session this way. Okay. I'd be down. Um, that way I can use roll 20. Um, we can, this since this one actually has audio uh, and camera, we can use camera. And obviously, like, I know you've struggled with, um, uh, uh, bloody hell. I, I know that in the past, like in other campaigns that like games we've run, we've had to do it online and you didn't really enjoy that. Nah, and, it is a bit of, it is a bit but, tough to do. Yeah. It's not as like, it's not as great, but it's um, nothing. It'll only be for a couple of weeks. Surely. Yeah. Like I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing it. I'm, I'm not going to say anything cause I don't want to jinx myself, but like this is an option, yeah, and you know it. we will try to find a way for the show to go on. Yeah, well said. The show must go on. Yes, e very please. good. Please, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. So yeah, I will call it. Um. Thanks for coming, everyone. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Stay safe. And hopefully, I see your beautiful faces, Thanks. so I can throw monsters at them. Ah. Very soon. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, then, yeah, thanks to everyone for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed it, and we'll be back as soon as we can. Sounds good. See you guys. Bye. Bye.